Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 132. This episode is with Connor Washington. Connor is a current player for both Charlton Athletic and for Northern Ireland. And I wanted to get a player on the podcast for quite a while now, but I wanted someone suitable for the podcast. And as soon as I found out, Connor was not only listening to the podcast episodes, but he also is studying sports science and has a keen interest in sports science, strength conditioning, and also training. Um, I thought it was perfect. And I, I think it was a great conversation with Connor, and I hope you guys enjoy it. We spoke about a number of different things. We spoke about what sparked his interest in sports science. We spoke about how studying sports science and improving his knowledge has changed his approach to his training or his approach to physical preparedness for a game. We spoke about what he thinks he's done away from the pitch that has had the greatest impact on it. And I gave a little preview as well over on social media for you guys that follow us over on Instagram of a little clip of that too. And... and then he, I, we also spoke about him working with James Ralph, who's a private S&C coach. So we spoke about what led to him working with James, some of the biggest changes that they've made, um, and then a number of other things, including what a player's attitudes towards S&C and what he was looking for when he was looking for uh, an S&C coach as well. So I think there's loads of takeaways in this one for coaches, both at clubs and working privately too. And again, I really appreciate Connor coming on and being so open and honest with everything that we spoke about in the episode. As always, please make sure you subscribe to the podcast um, over on YouTube, iTunes and Spotify as well. And if you've not already left us an iTunes review, I really would appreciate it um, if you head over there and just leave us a quick review. Mention the favourite guests, favourite episodes, maybe favourite subjects. Just give us a little bit of feedback on um, what you've enjoyed so so much about the podcast. But again, huge thank you for listening. And here is episode 132 with Connor Washington. Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 132. I'm delighted today to be joined by Northern Ireland and Charlton Athletic striker Connor Washington. Connor, thanks for coming on, mate. Hi, mate. How are you? Good, thank you. Good, thank you. I've wanted to get, uh, I've just been saying to you before we started recording, I wanted to get a player on, um, a current player, because we have had some ex-players on the podcast before, but I wanted to get a player on for a while. Um, but someone that has got an interest in S&C, sports science, and um, yeah, you're the man for the job. So you're representing, you're representing all players here, mate. <laughs> I, do as, I do as well as I can. I can't promise anything. <laughs> well, first of all, I think I saw today that uh, there might be a, a player of the month prize uh, snapped up recently. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, I had a good month in March. Yeah, it was good. Um, disappointed to have finished with a little injury, but in terms of uh, getting up to speed and I was, I was feeling really good. So hopefully get myself back fit and pick up where I left off. Yeah, class and congrats on that, mate. Um do you want Thank to take you. us back, Connor? Because at the start of the podcast, we always go through careers. And obviously, we're normally talking sports scientists, S&C coaches, so they'll talk about different roles they've had. But it'd be really interesting to just go through your career in terms of the clubs you've been at so far. And then we'll also go into current day and what you're in terms of your studying and stuff. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't start playing until late. I was never in an academy or never in, never in any youth setup. I was just playing with my mates on a, a Sunday morning, really. And then... I was tiny at the time as well. So I got to about 16, had a bit of a growth spurt and um, was playing uh, under-18s football first in Ivestown. And I was just doing really well. So got called up to the first team um, when I was 16, just turned 17, played there, did really well for a couple of years and then got a big opportunity to to go and play at Newport at the time. He was in the in the conference. That was a big step up, like five, five levels that was. And it was really tough. Found that really difficult, but ended up finding my feet in the second season in League Two. Scored scored some goals before the January, and then got a move to Peterborough, where I think I was there eighteen months, two years. Uh, it was nice to be back back near home. That was a that was a good move for me. And at the time, it was a real good club to play for. And it still is as a striker. To be fair, they churn out strikers all the time. So yeah. had a real good run there. Um, got a move to QPR. And it just just never quite worked out there for sort of multitude multitude of reasons really. Um, but I still enjoyed my time there. I learned a hell of a lot um, about myself, about the game, and and everything like that. So 
And then I went to Sheffield and that was probably the, the best year in terms of an experience. It was disappointing not to play more of a part, to be honest. But like I said about QPR, the, the things you learn and um, what it takes to be part of a successful unit like that was was just mind-blowing. Um, and it was great to see, obviously, what they did last year, just disappointing this year. But yeah, real, real good year that. And then went up to Hearts in Scotland after my contract ran out there and it was just a bad year. Like I got so many silly little injuries and ended up having a bit of a freak hamstring um, where I, I tore the tendon. So that was four months and then came back from that and played about three games and locked down COVID. So that was really disappointing. It was such a great club to play for and it was to go from the high of Sheffield United getting promoted and then to be in a relegation scrap with Hearts who were we were tipped to be sort of in the European spots was was just so demoralising. But um, so decided that it would be best to sort of get back down to England and move my family back down south. And now I'm at, at Charlton. So class and the sort of COVID topic could be a whole different podcast in itself on like dealing with all the challenges with that. But we'll leave that where it is. <laughs> we'll try and forget about that period. But um, the one of the big reasons for obviously getting you on as well as the fact of how, how experienced you are and all the clubs that you've been at in, and then the sort of exposure you've had of different coaches is, is your interest and knowledge of S&C and sports science as well. So where are you up to with, because um, I know you, you're going through some some studying on, on that side of things at the moment. So where are you up to with that? So I've always loved the gym. I genuinely have since I was 15, 16. And uh, like, I, like I was saying, I didn't play until I was 20. So 16 to 20 was do as many bicep curls and bench as much as you could, basically. <laughs> with no, no lower body emphasis whatsoever. So, yeah. um, so I did my like level two, halfway through my level three PT. And then uh, about 18 months ago, I started a sports science degree. I just wanted to get a, a deeper understanding and it's something I've always, always been interested in. So it was just a good opportunity to do that, to do that through the PFA. And I'm in my second year now, halfway through. So yeah, it's been really good. And I've just been enjoying research and stuff to be fair. I'm never off my phone on Twitter, looking at some journal or trying to find the the next secret. So Class. And I was going to say, from your experience of working at different clubs and all the different players that you've been in, in dressing rooms with, what would you say the sort of general um, attitude or approach is to sort of sports science and s and I know that's hard to say because there's, there's a lot of players involved, but generally, what would you say in, in terms of that? Yeah, I mean, it's hard not to tar all the players with the same brush, but I would say it's a, a very, very high percentage, probably over 75% of got little to no interest I would say, in the sort of day-to-day gym stuff and and how they can improve physically and and even just their application to the sessions that were put on. Um, 99% of the strength and conditioning coaches or sports scientists I know spend most of their time rounding players up to go to the gym sessions, <laughs> never mind actually doing the gym sessions. So yeah. I think, we like we spoke briefly about at the start, there was it's just the culture of football and it's, it's not quite ingrained yet and I genuinely thought it might change around sort of Cristiano Ronaldo around that sort of that sort of era because obviously he's a big advocate of it and you look at the success he's had and the transformation he went through as a player I thought that would be the that would be the catalyst mm-hmm. to to more players applying themselves but at the moment it's just it's just not quite worked out you don't you don't feel like there has been a, a step in that sort of direction just of yet no, I wouldn't say so. Not in not in the career, not in the, the space of time that I've been playing anyway. I would say that it's, it's tough because I, w- I would say Sheffield probably had the biggest buy-in. Now, I guess you're talking about correlation versus causality there, really. Like, was it the group in general and that they just they just had that many players that wanted to improve themselves and do well? Probably. Um, at, was it the buy-in for the SNC that got them promoted? No, obviously not. But yeah. I think it was that sort of attitude and and being able to to see the bigger picture like that as players definitely played a played a part in in that successful group. 
And obviously, with the majority of listeners being being coaches, whether they are sports science or SNC coaches, what do you think are some key things for or key traits of like a coach? Where, and I know yourself because you've got the interest in it. It might not necessarily be for you because you're gonna you're gonna adapt to any coach that's gonna put anything in play. But for the players that aren't as bought into it, what do you think are some important traits for a coach to have? So maybe get that buy in and get those players on board. Yeah, to be fair, from, from the podcast I've listened to that, that you've done with other coaches, I think they do, they hit the nail on the head a lot of the time and having a relationship with the player on any level is, is just so important, especially the the younger players and the lads that probably aren't going to be as willing to do it. So get getting those players on your side, if you like. I mean, not that you should have to, but obviously it's a big part of coaching and a big part of SNC that if you can build a rapport with those players, they are more likely to to do the session for you rather than obviously for their own benefit. They'll say, I'll do this session because we're, we've got a good relationship sort of thing. I think that's really important. And also I think the ability to communicate why you're doing it and what, what it is you're doing and what, what is the end goal of this exercise, but with the least in the least scientific way you can, I would say, and the easiest to easiest way to understand. Yeah. hundred percent. And then the flip of that, have you and you might have seen this without, without mentioning any names like in terms of coaches that have gone in and just not had any any success and players just haven't bought into the session they've got nothing from it what are some some things that potentially they've done that you just feel you maybe look and think ah you shouldn't have done that because <laughs> you're not going to get the lads on side um i guess it's that like uh dictator style leadership where it's like this is happening I'm doing this. Everyone's doing the same. You're going to do it in front of me. I'm going to watch every single rep. Um, that that never goes down well with footballers because I'm not sure if it's the culture or if it's people of this personality get drawn towards football, but they're always looking to take the piss somehow. So if you go in there with that attitude, it's just it's just a it's a no brainer that you're getting absolutely abused because. Um, the players have the power at the end of the day. Like if, yeah. if they don't like an SNC coach, then it wouldn't take too much to get them out of the club, if you know what I mean. And the players probably know that as well. Yeah. So um, they, they will do the sessions, but you're going to have to push them and shove them together. And you, you made a great point before in terms of like, we don't win and lose games based on an SNC program, do we? Like that, that's what I think a lot of, um, coaches have got to sort of understand that we are there to support players and the relationships we have and all the sort of soft skills that we spoke about loads on the podcast can essentially be more important. And we, I think we sometimes as coaches fall into the trap of thinking, oh, well, you've got to do this program because it will make you better on the pitch. But if you're not bought in and, and not believing that, then it's not really going to be impactful, is it? It's not going to have that, that impact on a player. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think, like, as an SNC coach, I think you're like a facilitator more than anything. Like, if, if a player really wants to buy into it, then you you'll see real real good improvements. But like you say, and we spoke about earlier, the, the contact time with players, especially the, the level I'm at now in, in League One, we play Saturday, Tuesday, and we have done all season. So, yeah. in terms of like you're talking micro dosing to the to the nth degree, like it's it's ridiculous, like trying to get stuff in. Um, and some players will seek that out, not many, but um, in terms of trying to get that exposure to a gym stimulus, like it's just so tough. And I mean, I'm sure every coach in an SNC guy that's listening to this is probably nodding their head and thinking, how do we get it in? But um, I think, like you say, if, if the culture could change and on a, even just one on the Thursday, um, just a general integration or like a slow integration into like a little bit of power or a little bit of injury prevention gym. Um, like managers would see that they're not going to get 10 hamstring tears every training session just because they've done a few Nordics and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I was going to ask as well. So as, as your knowledge sort of builds and, and it has done throughout your career, what are some things that you've maybe implemented um, that you weren't doing before or maybe shift your focus on to more the more you sort of read and go into research and stuff, is there anything that sort of jumps out for you? 
I think because I've been in that sort of infancy stage of knowledge and I'm learning stuff all the time, especially on Twitter from just looking at people's profiles and stealing things. I'm sort of like, oh, I want to do that. And then, oh, I think that's going to work. Or oh, I've always been like that. I've always wanted to try different things. But I think for me as a player, and I think it is very individual in terms of obviously like as a profile, as a player, strength versus power, etc. I've always enjoyed plyo stuff and I've always felt that that's had a real good um impact on the way I go into training the way I feel in games and stuff like that so I always feel sharp off off plyos and mostly bodyweight plyos to be fair nothing nothing too strenuous but in terms of the way I play and the way I like to move and stuff I've always found that plyometric stuff's been been really probably top of the list for me yeah we've not mentioned yet that obviously you work as well with um, I'm going to call him out here I'm going to say a future guest of the podcast because I've tried getting James on, he's not having it yet. So I'm going to say a future guest and we'll, we'll get on to him to come on. Because um, anyone that's not following James Ralph on um, over on Instagram, he's doing some amazing work. And obviously you're working with him away from the club as well. Um, just firstly on that, what was, what was the initial sort of reason for looking out for a coach like James to, to uh, work with away from the club? So at the time I, I was at QPR, and the squad was absolutely enormous, like huge. And we had one S&C guy and he was very good, Dan, Dan Bernardin. I think he's still there. Um, great ideas, great implementation, really enjoyable sessions, but with 30 players. like, And it was just silly. Um, and I'd seen James's Instagram and I think he was just sort of coming into it and wanted to get into that sort of uh, working with athletes. And I just, I just, it just, it just struck a chord with me. I just really liked what he was doing. Like I, like I said to you earlier about the plyos, he was, he was doing loads of stuff and integrating plyos with change of direction and things like that. And I thought that brilliant. So I gave him a call and we set up a session. And then within sort of two or three sessions, I just felt really good. I felt light. I felt powerful, strong. Um, and he's a great guy. He's great to speak to. His knowledge is, is top class. And I think that's sort of testament to, to what he's done in the game now and what he's gone on to do and the players he's gone on to work with um, and we've got a really good relationship so we sort of just kept kept it going when, when we can because like I, like I said about the games and stuff it is so tough to to keep a program up like that with the with the load we've got going through us Monday to Friday Saturday yeah it's a great point because I think a lot of people now look at players working with with like private practitioners and they think oh well why don't they value the snc at the club and it's not always the case is it you've just mentioned there that the snc had so many players to work with that they can't go into as much detail as what you probably get from from the likes of james away away from the club so it's that's a, a really important factor to take into place isn't it whether it's a coach seeing a player of theirs going working with someone um or whether it is someone that is reaching out to a, a, a practitioner as well yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I mean, I'm not sure. I've never had any sort of repercussions from it, from from football. There's been questions asked, of course there have, especially around injuries and stuff. They ask, what are you doing? What's this? And I think that's a medical department's nightmare to learn that you've done three sets of trap bar deadlifts the day before you've pulled your calf. But <laughs> like I was saying, it's not it's not always related. And I think that's where S&C guys and the medical departments have such a, such a tough job because the manager wants to know why somebody's injured and you've just found out that they've been doing whatever but I'd also been doing that the three weeks before and hadn't pulled my car or the six yeah. months before like it's not it's not always um easy to sort of attribute a an injury to this specific thing so um yeah I've, I've not had too much kickback but I could I know for a fact, especially at the elite level, I'd be very surprised if if they were too happy about that, to be honest. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's that thing again, isn't it? It's getting that quality because uh, what you're doing there in terms of this, and I've seen some of the, the sessions that James has posted of, of yourself and some of the work that you do, and it's, and it's stuff that you could still, like you said, potentially be doing at clubs. It's nothing that you're not going to have been doing. It's just not at the club because then they can get a bit more attention on you because on, on a one-on-one -on -one basis. Yeah, definitely. I mean, somebody like me, for example, who has uh, 
an anterior pelvic tilt, when I'm doing exercises, I need a coach to be looking at, at my um, anatomy, at my posture and going slight correction here, slight correction there, or your pelvis has dropped that side when you're doing that. And those little corrections, and you just can't do that with even five or six players doing the same exercise. You can't do that. And like we said at, at the, the initial the initial conversation we had, I, I genuinely don't think this is down to the quality of the SNC or or anything like that. I think it's down to the clubs, to be honest, because a lot, especially at, at the higher levels, they're, they're dealing with silly amounts of money in terms of assets of a player, hundreds of millions, and they pay players X amount, and they'll have one SNC coach on maybe forty grand a year, mm. and you just think like. That's just how how is that how does that work um, for like for for one player's wage a year at that level you could get four or five SNC coaches top SNC yeah. coaches yeah um, and I think you, we see it from a medical a medical perspective as well they might have one or two physios I mean the, the top clubs are slightly different now and I feel like they are valuing that med- medical side more but if they can get a player back on the pitch three weeks quicker because there's an extra physio, an extra pair of hands there, then how much money have they saved in that respect? But like like we keep going back to, it's just the culture of football and just maybe not valuing things that can can do can, can help. Yeah. And, and again, we've spoke about this loads on the podcast because it's obviously a topic that's really important for coaches when we've got so many people getting qualified and wanting to work in the game, but then there's only so, so many roles available. So it's it's... Well, it's, not, it's good to hear your opinion on it, but at the same time, it's a bit, it is a little bit worrying, isn't it? And we spoke um, on message about learning from other sports as well, didn't we? And you look at some other sports yeah. around the world and that how much they value, or not even around the world, even in this country, the likes of rugby and other sports, like the, the amount they value that sort of SNC sports science program, that they, they have more people involved. Yeah, 100%. And it's it, the the problem with SNC is like we alluded to earlier. It's just very hard to quantify the contribution that you're making. Um, but for me, I mean, listen, I've never been massively blessed with technical ability, and my phys- the physical part of my game has always been what's got me to the level I've played at, and being able to sprint repeatedly, being fast, being strong. And there's just no way I would have been able to do that without good SNC coaching. No, it's as simple as that. So you look at all these technical players and you think realistically, like they could be improved. They could, they could get better physically, which is ultimately going to make them better players. So, I'm delighted to announce that we've added a couple of member benefits to our online community. So members of our online community can now get discount at both physique management and also David Gray, uh, David Gray rehab. So, I've had David Gray on the podcast before. His work is absolutely incredible. And I've actually been through his lower body basics program. I say be through it. I go back to it all the time. Um, And the program is superb. Uh, He's also got his lower body basics too and his core basics program out there as well. So you can go and check those out. But members of the community will be able to get discount off David's programs and also over at Physique Management on their online shop as well. And we will also be uploading very soon some brand new webinars to the community too. We've got one upcoming with Physique in association with Physique with um, Evie Casagrande. So Evie's going to be um, doing a webinar with myself and Charlie over at Physique. And the recording of that webinar will be uploaded onto our online community as well as a few others that are going to be going on in the next few weeks. Um, based on mobile technology, we've got one on female SNC or working with female players and the SNC work that goes on in the female game. So loads of great content um, coming up on the online community. If you're not already a member, go to footballfitfed.com, click the community tab, sign up there. It will give you one month free on the community. And then after your free month, it is only £4.99 per month going forward as well. So Loads of great content already up on the community, but we're going to be adding some really cool stuff coming up as well. So go and check it out. If you're a member, just log in um, and you'll see the discount codes on the member benefits tab. If you're not, like I said, head over to footballfitfed.com, click the community tab and sign up there. Here's part two of the podcast with Connor Washington. 
But do you see the attitude with that? And again, it's really hard because it's speaking in general terms again, but for those technical players, because they know exactly, everyone will know those sort of players and if they're at clubs, they'll be able to pinpoint them as well. What do you think their their attitude is? Do you think it's just shifting the focus onto doing the things they do well and just working on that or and, and just putting SNC in the background? Or do you think it's like we need more knowledge? We need to get more knowledge across into them on what SNC is and the sort of impact it can have? Because even if it's a case of just keeping them on the pitch or what, where do you think we're sort of lacking? Or what do, what do we need to do more to try and get to, into those players? Well, not being one of those technical wonder kids myself, it's hard for me to uh, <laughs> to answer that question. I think if I could answer that question and get it right, I reckon I'd be onto some, some serious money. Um, <laughs> but like, it's it's tough in football because there's so many different personalities. As the coaches uh, will know, you're dealing with so many different backgrounds, so many different personalities and stuff. And yeah, I think engaging with the players for sure, and then. Some players will be interested in finding out why, but a lot of won't. Um, I guess it's it's trying to find the the sweet spot of getting something into them that, like you say, I, I can't remember which podcast it was. Um, somebody was talking about a super strength. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that was Mark. I, I thought I found that. Yeah, I thought, yeah. I, I thought that was really interesting and a really good way to think of it because a lot of these players, like, like you alluded to, like they've been built up their whole careers. They've been told they're great at this, they're great at this, they're great at that. So if you tell them you're really powerful, but your strength base is poor, they're probably going to go, well, I don't care, I'm a footballer. Yeah. Whereas if you, like you say, if you can, oh, you're so powerful, well, I think we could get you more powerful, like feed that that ego, um, then yeah, you might get some more results from that, definitely. Because how, how do players sort of, do you have conversations about the work that you do away from the club? And what, what are their sort of, if you do, what are their views on it? Sorry, I just, I think you just cut out a little bit there. Did it cut out? Sorry, I just said what, if you have conversations with other players about the work you do away from the club. So when you're talking about plyos and your heavier lifts and the things that you do with James, what are, what are players' views on that? Like, do they, do they seem to... Um, understand the value and why you're doing it or do they see it as a, a bit of like a, I don't know, a gimmick or? Do you know what? It's, it amazes me sometimes that we can, I can I can talk to somebody or one of the players and you'll think they must have some sort of knowledge of what you're talking about and you realise that's got a blank look on their face and you're <laughs> thinking like, are you genuinely like a plyo? They wouldn't even understand yeah. Like or the difference between like st- like base strength and power, like it's frightening how little they understand about their own bodies. And I think it, it, I, our body is what gets us paid, basically, in, yeah. in my view, anyway. Um, whether that be technical ability and, like you say, just keeping yourself on the pitch and being able to do it repeatedly, like surely that's enough of a, an incentive to to buy into it. But to be able to make yourself 0.2 meters per second quicker like these things are getting measured now and it wouldn't surprise me if it's if it's getting down to the stage where like almost like nfl combine things how quick can you run how many times can you do this like that sort of how high can you jump how, how can you express that power sort of thing and that, that, that's the difference at the top level i mean these these top top players the top five ten players in the world like harland for example I'm not sure if he buys into the SNC, but he's a genetic freak, if not. Yeah. Like, I've played against him, like, with international. Like, he's big, he's strong, he's fast. Like, he's got everything. And, like, a lot of players aren't blessed with that. So if you can get close to that by buying into it and doing doing the work, then then why wouldn't you, is my, is my view. Yeah, and, and that whole knowledge thing, it, for, for you being involved in the game as much as you are, it's interesting to sort of get the perspective, isn't it? And I think coaches need to listen to that because when you spoke about um, putting things across in the least scientific way before, this is the reason why, because I think we speak sometimes as coaches thinking we're speaking to other coaches and it needs to be put in a way, doesn't it? That that players understand that they, they understand exactly why, we're, why they're doing it and the benefit it can have. Yeah, for sure. I mean, 
I mean, even like uh, I know Nordics and sort of that uh, eccentric strength of the hamstring has been massive in the last sort of four or five years I've noticed it's really come in. And I would say that not a lot of players would know why they do a Nordic. Yeah. They don't understand that at, in their running gait, that at top speed, their hamstrings under slight serious eccentric load. So like, the only way to replicate that or even get close to replicating that is with the Nordic. Like a lot of players wouldn't, wouldn't understand why they were doing that. So it's just like oh, two sets of four Nordics, like yeah, not realizing yeah. that that might be the preventative thing that stops them picking up a hamstring strain down in down the line. Because then I've never met a player that's happy to be injured. I've never that is not a thing. So if if they like I said, if they can keep themselves fit and keep themselves on the pitch, and then not even to go into the performance improvements that they might get, is uh, that's the big thing. And all of that as well comes into the intent you put into a session then, doesn't it? Or an exercise. Because if you're not fully understanding it and you're going into a Nordic and you're thinking, I've just got to do two sets of four. And you see it all the time, don't you, in, in gyms. And not even j- just in football, but in gyms in general. People just sort of going through the motions, not really getting why they're doing it. And then without blowing smoke up in, like you look at the work that James does and, and other practitioners as well. Um, and the players that are going through certain drills or they're doing like a plyo when they're putting everything into it or a big heavy lift there's an intent there and i think that intent has to come with some sort of knowledge on why you're doing it as well doesn't it yeah definitely i think it's like funny enough in this uh degree i've just done psychology and like the idea of social loafing um like in a group you like you psychology as well don't you no, I did not enjoy it one bit. That's that about the only thing I remember. <laughs> but that idea of um, in a group, you can sort of, if you look over and he's not looking at you and you go, yeah, five, done. Yeah. Like you've done two. Yeah. Or, or a Nordic, like you say, like I've played with some big, strong, powerful players and you're thinking they're getting like three, 400 on a Nordic and you're going, I'm pretty sure you could get more than that if you if you stuck a bit of effort in. Like, yeah. And like, like you say, without the intent, it's just you might as well not do the session at all. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna do it half cocked sort of thing. Because we spoke before as well, didn't we, about the sort of uh, the culture again, and that certain co- coaches not really buying into it, and uh, we didn't do it in my day sort of approach. But you made the great point in that it's a it's a completely different game now, isn't it? And, and I'm sure you'll be able to speak about that as better than anyone in terms of the intensity and the sort of demands it puts on you now. Yeah, I mean, I, I know that 25 years ago, they probably weren't using the, the GPS data, or they definitely weren't, uh, in terms of metrics and stuff. But the game's only going one way, and that is more intense, um, bigger distances, um, more contact and things like that. And players are getting bigger, players are getting stronger, players are getting um, quicker. So I think we'd be crazy to think if SNC is not going to play a big part in the future, and you just, you just really hope that, football buys into it sooner rather than later because you look at other sports and I know we talk about the the American models and stuff and baseball is different of course it is and American football even to an extent because I mean intensity is just not there is it not Mm. just big breaks and stuff but the one that I've been looking into recently is like the AFL uh, in Australia and I mean the work coming out of Australia I mean I listened to so many things and I know uh, calf isometrics I think it was Alex Natera Um, loads of really good stuff coming out of there that sort of blow my mind a little bit the way he talks and stuff Um, and I would assume I mean I don't know the game but it looks a lot more similar to football than than most of those other American ones and they're all absolute monsters and like surely they you'd be able to see the benefit from things like that like I put out on Twitter the other day the the question about um, potentiation and, and things like that um, but will will players ever be trapped by deadlifting and doing plyos the day before or even the day of a game? I, I just can't see it in my career, to be honest. Yeah, because it, 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 again, it comes down to that understanding, doesn't it? Because I think if you were to try and put that into a player's programme that didn't have the knowledge and just wasn't didn't really get why you were trying to do something like that, that would seem probably just so far out of the comfort zone that... They're just not going to do it, are they? They're not going to. They're not going to buy into that fact. But like you say, with, with that knowledge, and the other thing is, with I suppose the um, potentiation is is the at clubs, 
I, I think, am I, I, I right in saying that a lot of clubs will do something, whether it's some speed work, um, not necessarily heavy lifting all the time, but there'll be other ways of potentiation, uh, potentiating before a game. So it's just understanding yeah. like what we mean by it and also um, how we're going to approach it, maybe on an individual basis, like you're saying, because you're, you're obviously used to lifting heavy um, and doing all the sort of high-intensity plyometric work that you do, but not every player is like that. So we can take individual on it. We can take it on an individual basis when you're working on an individual basis, but when you've got a lot of players involved in it, it's then trying to think about how can we potentiate everyone for the game, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. I hadn't, I hadn't considered it from from that from that perspective, to be honest. But like you say, it just comes back to the same thing, doesn't it? Like the contact time and the the quality of the contact time as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, I was going to say something else on that. I completely forgot what I was going to say. It'll come back to me in a second. But I'd, <laughs> we'll go on to what. what's the sort of t- targets going forward? Because obviously going through, um, there's a long long time left in your playing career yet. I'm not saying that, that, that there isn't, but you've got a good few years, good few goals to score yet. Um, but after that, what's your sort of ideas going forward? I'm hoping and praying that football takes on S&C uh, a hell of a lot more and I can I can jump in and get to a club in that respect but I think in terms of education I, I want to get this get this degree done and then I'm looking probably probably at a master's in strength and conditioning to be honest um, which hopefully I'll be able to finish like you say before the end of my career and then and then just just wherever it takes me to be honest I mean it's, as much as it's great being a footballer like we said earlier the moving and the, the job security is obviously so low um and obviously, you don't have the benefit of um, just being the player who's getting looked after and pampered, and you're now working an extra hours before and after, and you just don't have any of that security. So, um, I am not too sure. I've, I've I toy with so many different ideas, and uh, like we spoke about James and the work he's doing, um, could I see myself doing something like that? Definitely. Um, but I, I want I do want to help athletes as much as possible, whether that be in in football or even even track athletes, I, mm. I, I love how how involved the SNC is in that. Or or don't tell my missus, but maybe something America wise as well. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, we'll keep that on, under wraps. I'll, I'll edit that bit out <laughs> just in case. <laughs> um, no, that's class. I think I think it's just really interesting, isn't it? And was there any temptation of going onto the technical side, or was it always? like S&C, sports science, where you focus lead? Because obviously a lot of players will go into coaching um, or they'll have ambitions of going into coaching. Was that anything that sort of was an interest of yours or not really? No, it's never something that I've been particularly interested in, to be honest. I mean, I like training. I like the intensity of training, but I do. I still love football. I, I love watching football. I love analysing it tactically and stuff. But yeah, it's just not something that's ever really... I think the S and C side of it is probably more of a passion for me rather than sort of coaching would be. So, yeah, brilliant. And then uh, on reflection as well, I wanted to ask, like, through your career, so if we could go back to like even getting into full time football really early on, knowing what you know now in terms of sports science S and C, would there be anything that you'd go back and sort of change and and maybe add to your preparation? Yeah, I had a really good chat with the, the S&C guy at Charlton, actually, uh, Tomo. He's, he's been brilliant. and I, uh, He always says to me in the mornings, it feels like he's on a podcast because I just pepper him with questions. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he's been great and he's been really good to work with and I've really enjoyed that. And uh, we were saying the other day that all I used to do, well, before I started playing really, but as I got into full-time football, was like absolute bro splits of bicep curls, bench press, triceps and pull-ups and stuff and I ended up I ended up paying for it because I tore my hammy like posteriorly I'm still playing catch-up I've always been very quad dominant and everything behind me is, is what does all the the work for me sprinting so um yeah I'm still catching up now so like you say if I could go back 10 years I'd be thinking please do some RDLs or please do something <laughs> glute wise I've still got no glutes now I'm 28 
<laughs> if you can't see it in the mirror, it doesn't count, though, does it? No, exactly. Yeah, that, that is the exact. No wonder I've got an anterior pelvic tilt. Jesus. <laughs> now, with the, at the end of um, a lot of the podcasts, now we do some like quick fire questions. And I'll just amend them a little bit because obviously it, a lot of it's based on um, people that are working in sports science and SNC. But I wanted to ask, like, you're doing a lot of reading, a lot of researching now at the moment. Who've been some like big influences or where do you focus your sort of research? Is there any sort of names that, that stand out? I know you mentioned Alex Natera before. Um, is there anyone else where you've been sort of focusing on their work recently? So yeah, we've got the, the, the physio at um, Charlton, Danny Murphy, absolutely brilliant. He's been great to pick his, his brains on. He's the under 21s physio as well. And just coming at SNC from a medical point of view is, been slightly different as well it's interesting to hear him talk and then like I, like I said Tomo's been absolutely great as well um, Sam's top quality SNC coach at, at Charlton um, Mike Mike Boyle's been a good one I've listened to a few podcasts and to be fair most of the guys that I've been listening to on, on your podcast I mean the thing I loved about the community that I found so far just from being back on Twitter so briefly is, is how open it is mm. there's no there's no secret potion to getting a player quicker and stronger and everyone's quite open to sharing ideas. So that's been, been really refreshing to be honest, because you don't often see that. And especially in football, I mean, you wouldn't see coaches on their sharing set piece routines and things like that. It just wouldn't happen. So it's a, it's a testament to the community to be fair. And I think that's probably why S and C in general as a, um, as a profession has, has seen such great improvements because like that diverse thinking and being able to go to and fro with somebody on, on Twitter is like, that's invaluable, I think. Yeah, I agree. Definitely. And we need, we need more of those sort of positive conversations because on the flip of that, without making it negative, you do see a bit of sort of infighting and calling out and all that sort of stuff. And I, I do think it's hard, isn't it? On social media platforms, because you've not got many characters, you can come across different to how you want to come across in just a, in text. Um, yeah. But I think you're hundred percent right. I think there's some amazing conversations that happen um, and really important conversations that happen as well. And even yourself putting it, putting it out the other day about the potentiation stuff, you had a number of people jumping straight on it, didn't you? Giving you their, their viewpoints and opinions. So I think it's really important that that happens even more. Yeah, no, definitely. The more the more things that come into my head, the questions I'll be chucking them straight on Twitter to to get answered by the experts. Because, like you say, it's just interesting to hear different people's perspectives and what's worked for them and what's worked for players and what hasn't worked and things like that. And then one of the other things we ask at the end as well is is in terms of like CPD, like uh, continual professional development. So that might be like courses and things like that. But I know you mentioned, I think before we started recording that you've listened to a few different podcasts and stuff as well. So what were some of the ones that sort of jump out for you that you took the most from recently? Cause it'd be good to sort of direct some of the listeners um, onto some of the ones that you've taken the most from. Yeah. It was a the science for sport or sport for science one uh, with Mike Boyle. That was really interesting. He had some serious views on there. Uh, bilateral training which was was interesting science for sport that one is uh, a lot of the high performance ones as well not not necessarily from an, an snc point of view but from a from a mindset point of view and, and things like that they've been really good been yeah. really good to tap into like the the elite performers mentality and things like that and there's one thing that i have seen obviously we've, we've been able to play the international football and been being able to play with players that have gone on to to do really well is just the intensity and the application and the consistency of, of everything they do. Uh, like, like you say, the buy into the SNC, the buy into general training, the buy into nutrition, like that's been the difference from, from what I've seen. And obviously a serious amount of technical ability as well. But yeah, yeah. Well, you're right. Like I've talked about high performance and I've had Damien Hughes on the podcast a couple of times as well, but that podcast, if people haven't listened to it at a hundred percent, tell people to go and listen to it because I like, I like as well that they don't just speak to sports men and women. They're getting guys from guys and girls from the business world and different sorts of high performers. So, and, and it's interesting, isn't it? Because it all, a lot of them carry similar sort of traits 
um, even from all different types of industries and stuff. So yeah, definitely um, point people in the direction of that. I think it's quality. Um, the other thing I was going to say, because we might have a few players that are, that are listening as well or watching in terms of, cause I, we, we always ask at the end and I've sort of ca- I've covered this a little bit in a previous question about what you'd look for in an SNC or what an SNC coach, how they should act to get the most from their players. I feel like we sort of covered that, but in terms of a player point of view, I always ask coaches like when you're working with a player and you have the biggest impact with the player, what are some like common traits you see with that, with those players? Um, so I don't know if you, if you feel like there's anything that jumps out for you on the players. Like I think you've sort of just mentioned it there on the high performance stuff, but um, is there anything that you feel that is common amongst the players that, that go on and do really well? Yeah, I'd say like a, a natural curiosity as to why they're doing it and what they're doing. and Because they'll be asking the same questions about training as well. They'll be saying to the coach or they'll be thinking, why is it we're doing that? Oh, it's because we want to attack this area of the pitch with this amount of players. So, yeah, like I, like I was saying about the high performance, is the consistency is is so key because the amount of players, and I'm, I'm sure the S&C coaches get this a lot, is maybe four or five weeks before summer, or at the start of the season, they'll have five, six lads. Yeah, we're into it. Let's do it. Come on, let's do it. And then two weeks in, two sessions in, suddenly they're sloping off and you can't <laughs> find them in the journey. <laughs> so like something that, that I've even I've even uh, sort of wrestled with myself, like the initial mo- uh, initial motivation I find is easy for me. And I know a lot of people don't and uh, find it that way, but then it's the discipline of being able to do that every single day. Um I find it with like mobility routines, especially for me. I need mobility routines, but and I always start off great, and I'm three or four days in, and then it gets to the evening on the fourth day, and I'm like, oh. the idea of doing ten cat cows right now, like, yeah. it's just it's a struggle. But yeah, um, being consistent, that natural curiosity of why we're doing what we're doing, and and obviously the the actual wanting to get better as well. I mean, a lot of players will get to a certain level or they'll feel comfortable because they're playing in the team, for example. And that'll be them. They'll be, they're more than happy just to coast through a season doing as well as they think they can without, without wanting to improve any further. Yeah, it's a great point. And again, they're, they're common ones that have come up when we've asked coaches as well. So it's, it's really good to hear that you've said something similar there. Mate, this has been top, really, really good, really fascinating to get your points of view Um on things and it's just interesting that we have crossed over with a lot of stuff that we've spoken about before um if people want to go and give you a follow because i know you've you've tweeted a lot about sort of sports science and snc stuff so it'd be great for more coaches to go and follow you because obviously they can then reach out and get involved in some of these conversations is it um washington connor on twitter is that right yeah a little look yeah i think so i'm usually tweeting something pretty boring to be fair <laughs> uh, at, at Washington Connor it is yeah perfect so if you if they go and give yeah. you a follow and then obviously um, it would be great to get any sort of conversations and discussions going but yeah a massive thank you for coming on mate I appreciate it and um, yeah I hope you enjoyed it and uh, best nah, of thanks, luck when you get back to games for the rest of the season Thank you very much. Thanks, thanks again for having me. It's been absolutely brilliant. I've I've really enjoyed all the the podcasts that I've listened to so far. I'm just sort of working working my way through them again now. After coming on Twitter, I didn't even realise it was this podcast was about until about two weeks ago, and I'm about ten deep so far. So <laughs> it's just it's really interesting to hear hear the coaches' perspective because like the obviously they have so much contact with so many different players that it must it must be tough. Um, I certainly I don't envy a lot of them that, that I've met to be fair with some of the players I've played with <laughs> we'll leave that on there <laughs> <laughs> no big thanks mate and we'll uh, we'll stay in touch top man thanks Ben cheers Connor big thank you as always for listening to the podcast and a special thank you to Connor for coming on and giving up his time um, you can go and give him a follow over on Twitter at Washington Connor I think it was really interesting getting the perspective of, of a player playing at the level that Connor's playing at international striker um, but with a keen interest in improving himself um, both on and off the pitch as well so 
some takeaways for me were he spoke about getting players on side and giving them like the reasons why we're doing things and the end goal as well. So speaking about not only why we're doing it, but relating it to like what they're trying to achieve as well. He said about being the least scientific as possible when we're speaking to players. And this again, these are all things that have come up in previous episodes, but I think it just reaffirms the importance of some of these points that a player like Connor is bringing them up in the podcast. Um, so the way we speak to players and the language we use is really, really important. It, I think another important point was where he spoke about working with James and and one of the reasons he was working with James or looked to work with a, a coach away from the club was not that the coaches weren't good enough at the club, that wasn't the reason at all. It was the fact that they had too many players um, to work with and he wanted more of an individualised approach. So I think that was really interesting and I think a lot of people both in and out of clubs would be able to relate to that point as well. Having a natural curiosity as well, he spoke about players... Um, being curious and wanting to improve and then we also touched on super strengths as well so looking to develop those super strengths and I think that can tie into what we spoke about before about talking to players about the end goal and being least, as, as, as least scientific as possible using phrases like super strength and some of these um, phrases that we can use with players I think it will sort of tap into how they think and how they can relate to a game so I found this one really, really interesting. I'm really pleased I got Connor on as well because um, this was the sort of conversation that I wanted to have with a player and he gave loads back, which I really appreciate him doing. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. As always, please give it a share. Give this one a push for us. I hope that we'll get a few more players listening to the podcast as well off the back of this too. So um, if we do, it'd be great to hear from you guys and let us know what you think. But as always, please give it a share on social media. Let us know the biggest, your biggest, some of your biggest takeaways from the podcast as well. Um, and make sure you're subscribed to the podcast on Spotify, uh, iTunes. But you can also watch this podcast over on our YouTube channel. Just search Football Fitness Federation. Big thank you again for listening. And big thanks to Connor as well. And I'll speak to you again next week in episode 133.